This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova with me today. We're talking about apps, and so many apps uh, are out there. We're uh, going to be doing our Hot 5 app countdown today. This week, it's Hot 5 back-to-school apps for the parents and the kids uh, out there. We'll also uh, be chatting with the folks over at Open Media about the growing digital divide when it comes to Canadian households being able to afford all the different services that we need, cable, internet, phone, cellular, Really interesting statistics happening there. Before we get to any of that, uh, we always talk about uh, the latest app news uh, out there in our first segment here. Guys, uh, Apple and Google are facing a growing revolt over the App Store tax. I use that in quotation marks. What does that mean, Graham? So basically when Apple launched the App Store way, way back in the day, um, the deal was that they would charge a 30% um, charge for people to have apps on their store. So if you sold your app for 99 cents, Apple got, you know, 30 cents. Uh, You got two-thirds of that. And everybody went home happy because they had created this brand new marketplace. And it it, that, I mean, it exploded. Like that really created this whole new... I think, viable economy for developers. Yes. Now, this is actually not the first time this has happened because the very first sort of app store that saw this uh, mainstreaming of this sort of charge was Steam. So this was a service that is put out by Valve Software, and it's a platform for people to purchase games online, and Valve takes a 30% charge. Uh, You might also notice that there have been things like this in the past. They were called brick-and-mortar retailers. (laughs) Right? Yes. Where, yes, they buy wholesale, sell retail. And this is kind of how it works. So, yep. um, you know, app developers being given the tools mostly for free. I think you pay a $100 license uh, to build tools through and publish tools uh, on the uh, on the app store so you can publish your apps there. Google does the same thing. They provide you with uh, the software for free to, to build this stuff. And you can upload your apps and sell them and make money. So you have no overhead costs other than the creation, the research and development of the app. Um, and you're not responsible for maintaining the servers that uh, that get these apps out to people. The ecosystem, the APIs, all of this stuff is done for the you. The payment processing, the- which, of course exposes a lot of personal data and all of that stuff. You're avoiding all of those landmines. So essentially, Apple with their App Store and Google with their Google Play Store are looking after everything. But yes. they get a 30% cut. They get a 30% cut. So people aren't happy with this. And now. they're not. You know, So basically, app developers are looking out there right now. And the one that we've seen, first and foremost, that's kind of doing this um, is, is Epic Games. Now, we've seen this in the past, actually, with Netflix, because uh, subscriptions also net uh, a 30% fee for people. So if you subscribe to Netflix through their website, it is, let's say, $9.99. But if you subscribe to Netflix through iTunes, it's $12.99 because Netflix isn't going to take a, the, the hit. They a just, 30% cut because they can't afford it. They just pass it on to you as a consumer. And if you choose to do that, and I know people who do, they're like, you know what, I prefer to have all my subscriptions in one place, so I'll pay the extra three bucks a month. My kids did that one time. They renewed it through iTunes. <laughs> and I was like that for like several months until I figured that out. And you had four kids at the point, and now you only have three, right? That's how that ended up? Yeah, little Jimmy. <laughs> little Jimmy's gone. So, so, I mean, 36 bucks a year doesn't seem like a whole lot, but to Netflix across millions of customers, absolutely it would, so they make that money back. So Epic Games, when they launched Fortnite on um, on the Google Play Store, they didn't launch it on the Google Play Store. They Fortnite, actually, again, is one of the biggest games out there right now. Yes, and the game is actually free to play, but it's got all of these cosmetic features that uh, essentially you can buy buy skins for weapons and characters and that sort of stuff. And so they make a ton of, they make millions of dollars off this. And sort of giving 30% of millions of dollars to Google didn't really appeal to them. They're already doing it with Apple. 
so they, they decided to try something different. Um, so why didn't they do it with Apple? They're going through the Apple App Store. Uh, and Apple's taking 30% cut. You can't on iOS, right? Yeah. So with with, uh, with iOS, you have to go through the App Store because there there's is, no other way. There's no alternative store. Whereas, uh, say, for example, Samsung partnered with Epic on this to release a specific Epic Games store, um, which unfortunately came with a bunch of security breaches. Shock. Um, but uh, essentially, that was the access to uh, Fortnite for Samsung consumers out there. And the payments were processed through that. And Samsung, uh, you know... I would assume is taking a much lower percentage here in order to maybe get some market share uh, in the form of of being able to to have that as opposed to the Google Play Store. So as developers out there, they're looking and saying, well, you know, we we want to keep more of our money. And I think Google and Apple are looking at this and going. And we created this space for you. So, uh, of course, they're going to feel a little bit like it's a slap in the face from developers. This space didn't exist before. And now all of a sudden, uh, these developers are coming back and saying, we don't want to pay for this space, this market that you created for it, us to make money from. It's almost like I feel like Apple and Google is almost the godfather. They're kind of looking at them and going, look, I created this thing yeah. for you. And now you come to me and you want more of a cut. It's like, guys, seriously, go build your own empire if that's the case. Now, you can on Android. So I think that's kind of why it's happening. So do you think well, on Android, uh, we're going to see the rise of new stores that are going to take a smaller cut? There's so much risk. Yeah, you know there what? is a lot of risk. But actually, the, the numbers here are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're saying that if uh, commissions fell to a blended rate of 5, 5 to 15%, that would knock up to 21% off of the estimates of Apple's earnings and 20% from Google. That, those are big Earnings, numbers. Like yeah, those are big numbers because these have become such large marketplaces that they really are making a significant amount of money off of them. And their investors are not going to be very happy, that's for sure. The, the interesting thing here is I think Google's at far more risk than Apple is because Google does of have this, this open ecosystem where you can build another app store. Um, you know, you could say, well, developers will just stop developing for iOS. But the problem is that iOS users actually buy quite a few more apps and they spend more money and they're more profitable for developers than uh, the Android ecosystem is. So even if you do build your own app store and you assume the liability and you assume the risk and you do sell a ton of stuff on Android, you're still actually probably going to be more profitable on Apple, even with the 30% cut, especially when you factor in the the cost of operation of all that other stuff. So you kind of look at everybody who's saying, well, you know, 30% is too high and you kind of have to look at them and say, well, really? Have you... Have you run the numbers on this? Because I think you're actually setting yourself up for failure. It's tough. I, I can see with games and you know custom-made apps, I don't see the big deal. If you need to charge more, then charge more. Uh, I think where the challenge lies is uh, in some of these subscription services like the Netflixes and maybe like the New York Times that already have like a set subscription price that they've been offering their customers for years. Like Netflix, let's say it's $11.99. Uh, they've obviously come up with that price uh, and factored in their margins. And so if they have to start giving a 30% cut, yeah, they'd have to tack that on. Yeah. So and, that, I, I get that part. Yeah, and, and I think that makes sense. Like, and Netflix really has had the, uh, you know, in the past, historically, they've had the right way of approaching this, which is just tack that 30% on. But on to our next story. That's right. So they're actually trying to dodge this now. Netflix is. Netflix is, yes. yes. Um, and it's interesting because they're not officially commenting on this, um, but they they have been experimenting with bypassing the Apple store How's and that even work pushing on? people to uh, to their website. 
But if you go to the Apple App Store for Netflix, what happens? So basically, you fire up the app, and if you look to sign up, instead of signing you up inside the app, it redirects you to mobile Safari. And basically, uh, open Safari, uh, you go through you go through the process of purchasing, and then it redirects you back to the app. Apple must love that. You know, and, and here's the thing. I mean, when you look at it, they probably don't love it, and they don't hate it. Um, the Netflix, but they, they'd have to hate it, because if Netflix is doing it, other people are going to figure ones, out other ways. Other people are going yes. to do that. And in the subscription model, it does work. It gets a little bit trickier with apps that you have to pay for unless you're going to start building in in-app purchases that bounce you to a mobile website rather than working through the app. And, and basically, Netflix already has all the payment processing. They've already got all this other stuff set up in place. So their cost to implement this is actually fairly low, whereas an individual developer or even a, you know, a consortium of developers through a publisher, uh, you know, again, you're looking at taking on that risk, that liability, having to return, deal with returns and things like that. So uh, I see this as good for Netflix. I see this as good for Apple and Google. And for ordinary developers, keep using the cool stuff that you love for free. Let's move on now and get uh, our weekly iOS tip of the week. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. What do we got, Graham? So this week's iOS tip of the week is kind of a handy one for getting around in mobile Safari a little bit faster. Um, If you are typing in web addresses quite frequently, you're probably pretty sick and tired of typing .com, .edu, that sort of thing. So this one is a handy one for both uh, people with 3D Touch and without. And that is, as you reach the end of a URL and you're about to hit .com, you actually can just press and hold on that period. And when you press and hold on it, if you have 3D Touch, you push a little harder, it's going to pop up, and it will actually give you uh, the five most common uh, web terminators. Uh, If you don't have 3D Touch, just press and hold a little longer, and that will actually give you those as well. Um, I've actually got a bit of a bonus tip for you as well, and this is kind of my favorite one. I think people have kind of become accustomed to it now, but if you don't know, it's here. And that is actually creating a period at the end of a sentence by hitting the double space. Use this whenever? No. Yeah. Okay. So when you finish the sentence, if you double space, it will actually give you a period and capitalize the next letter and you're off to... Uh, Sorry, double at the end? Double space. Bump, bump. Just pop, pop. Are and you, it gives you kidding? You've never used this, Mike? Maybe I'm doing it. I don't even know. It's So it, it is one of those things that actually it is kind of second nature. I notice people that they, they do it and they don't actually know that it's a thing, but this is a thing. If you're not using it right now, if you're reaching for the period key, all you have to do is tap, tap on that space bar and it will give you a period at the end of the sentence. This is a dream come true. Ta-da. Canada's tech expert, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we still have lots more to talk about on the app show. Next up after the break, we're talking about the digital divide. Can lower income families and households even afford to have cell phones and internet access. We'll be talking with the folks at Open Media about that, plus many more tips and tricks for smartphone users out there. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with the App Show. When we talk about telecommunications, uh, it seems that the amount of money we spend on it just keeps increasing year after year. Everything from mobile phones, landlines, internet, and cable. On average, in Canada, households spent nearly $223 every month. I know it's higher in my house, and uh, I wish I could find ways to get it down. But the challenge is for lower-income households, it actually represents a huge percentage of their income. On the line right now, we've got uh, Katie Anderson from Open Media. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thanks for having me, Mike. Katie, you're based out in Calgary, right? 
I am, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. So uh, this was uh, uh, an interesting uh, report. Uh, you know, we are spending a truckload of money uh, on these different services, but it can be a, a huge part of uh, a low-income household's uh, overall uh, expense, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of these numbers are between... Um, 2012 and 2016. So we can expect that they're already a little bit low, um, but the average is $223 per month, which if you're lower income, so say $32,000 or below, that's up to 8% or just 8.7% of your income, um, which is a, a huge chunk when you think about it. It, it, it really is. Um, I, how can how can people afford it? I, they must have to give up parts of of those services, like maybe not have cable TV or a cell phone or or internet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you, there's not a lot of money to go around. You have to make choices. So what we see is a lot of people um, either don't have home internet or they don't have a cell phone service, as well as not having um, some of the lesser used services now in 2018, like your landline or television service. So um, this report showed that 12% of Canadians don't have landline, uh, or sorry, don't have internet, and another 12% don't have mobile phones. You really have to make the choice. Is that surprising to you? No, not at all. I mean, at Open Media, we hear from Canadians all the time saying that, um, you know, cell phone bills especially are just too expensive. So, And when you see there's been a ton of reports over the years which show that Canadians pay some of the highest both landline internet bills and mobile internet bills. Um, And when you're forced to make the choice between the two, what we often see happening is that people choose to have a cell phone rather than have home internet, just because it's so hard to, you know, not only to get around, but to be successful in, in this world if you don't even have a cell phone. But the problem there is not only that they don't have access to home internet, but that data prices are so much more expensive when you go to mobile. Just recently, we saw Bell um, Bell and Rogers increase their overage fees to up to $70 per gigabyte, um, which is which is a lot, right? Especially if you're forced just to, you know, do all your browsing, all your communicating just over over the mobile. It's, it's really easy to, to go over and face those overage fees. Well, I think it's really a problem. I mean, that's really creating a digital divide for lower income uh, folks and, and, and homes. Like they're not going to be able to access as many opportunities uh, that, uh, uh, you know, average uh, Canadians would be able to access because everything's online. Yeah, now. Exactly. I mean, I think sometimes we tend to think of, you know, high speed Internet as having access to Netflix or having access to, um, you know, video games or Facebook but more and more, more of our, you know, government services are even accessed through online. So if you want to book an appointment with a doctor, some of that's done through online. If you want to participate in a government consultation, even a consultation about the digital divide, about these telecom services through the CRTC, often you have to have a computer to be able to do it. What's the answer here? Like what, what can government do? What can we do about it? So there's kind of two things. So if you're, um, you know, you're a customer, you're a consumer, make sure that you go out and you really try to get the best deal. So do your research. And when you 
you know, call in and play the providers off of each other, let them know what one would offer and then see if they'll match it or see if they'll go lower. Um, and I always tell people to try to get passed up to that, you know, that next level of uh, customer service agent when you're on the phone and be prepared to, to spend some time on hold so maybe have a good book with you. But I mean, we need a better answer than that. And over the long term, what we need is the federal government to come in and to create a national broadband strategy. So back in the end of 2016, the CRTC, which is our uh, telecom regulator, they make all the protections for our home internet, cell phones, um, you know, everything like that. They said that high-speed broadband should be a basic service. So um, the telecom regulator itself said that internet is basically um, – you know, it's like having electricity. That's how important it is to our lives. So what the government needs to do is step in and make sure, um, how do we make that a reality and make sure that no Canadians are left behind. So come up with a national broadband strategy and then, of course, put the funding there to back it to make sure that all Canadians, no matter if they're, you know, living in a rural area, no matter what their income bracket is, have access to the internet and all the opportunities that that provides. We're talking with Katie Anderson over at openmedia.org uh, all about uh, growing digital divide for lower income uh, homes and families when it comes to telecom services. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. When we come back from the break here on the App Show, still lots more to talk about when it comes to apps. We've got our Hot 5 app countdown. This week it's the Hot 5 back-to-school apps. If you're a parent or going back to school, you need to stay tuned they're pretty cool. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike, Christina, and Graham here. Still lots more to chat about in the world of apps. Of course, we'll be talking about our weekly segment on what's streaming on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Crave TV. We also have our fitness and travel apps coming up. But right now, before we get to our Hot 5 app countdown, let's get our Facebook tip of the week, Graham. So our Facebook tip of the week is great if you are, say, for example, out for dinner with friends or you need to uh, maybe send a little money to someone to help them out on a, on a vacation or if they've been stranded somewhere deep in Iowa. Not that that's specific. Uh, it is sending money through Facebook. So uh, essentially all you need to do is go to settings, payments, account settings, and you can actually um, enter your debit card information or credit card information. And you can authorize this with a checkbox to send via messenger. So to use this feature, just go to facebook.com or go to the app, open a conversation, and in the bottom right-hand side of this, you'll actually see the dollar sign. And in the dollar sign there, you can select either send or request funds, and you'll be able to send money through Facebook that way. So you can actually send, like, what, like, from your bank? Yes. Have you done this? No. No. I'm not letting my banking information anywhere near Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> my Facebook tip of the week is and don't do this. there it is. Wow, that's a great tip. <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> We got that, that disclaimer on Ma- this, right? Maybe we should just call this a last resort. Okay. The <laughs> weekly app Hot Five. Let's move on to the Hot Five app countdown. This week it's the Hot Five back to school apps. Suddenly all the kids and students are tuning out, but for the ones that are left and the parents, here they are. You know what? They should be listening because this is going to help make life more efficient. And easier in a lot of ways. You weren't weren't very popular when you were a kid, were you? (laughs) Number five, we've got Brainscrape. 
Brain scrape? Okay. Scape. Brain scape. I like, I like brain, brain scrape. Brain scrape. <laughs> brain scape. I think we need to uh, find you a how to read app. Yes. Maybe it can teach you. <laughs> I need these apps. Well, uh, brain, brain scape. What do we got here, Christina? This is actually a flashcard app, but it's a little bit different. It's actually designed to double your learning speed. It uses proven cognitive science and paces the repetition of concepts so you can retain the information more effectively and, as I said, more efficiently. So you can learn all of those uh, concepts in half the time. Do you have to put those concepts in? Yes. Well, that's a pain. Well, Could it just scrape? Like, <laughs> scrape that information? <laughs> Sounds like a very painful procedure I'm, to me. <laughs> I'm coming out with a new app, Brain Scrape. Number four on the Hot 5 app countdown, we have Photomath. So Photomath, this is actually an app that I think uh, every math teacher that I had when I was a kid probably screams when they read this. Uh, but this is a way to basically take a picture of a math equation. It does image recognition to identify the problem and then shows you the step-by-step solution on how whoa, to get whoa, the whoa. I know. You just blew my mind. Right? Say that again. Okay. So so you take a picture of the equation on the page. It, like a handwritten one? Yeah. Well, yeah. T- typically like in a textbook, they're going to be printed out. Okay. But, you know, assuming your handwriting is decent, it'll probably do that as well. And I you was can, born in the wrong year. I know. You know what? Though? I, I think do this, this the old-fashioned way. I think this is genius because I don't know about you, but when I was in school, the answers were in the back of the book. But then you had to, because you always had to show your work, you had to figure out how to get there. So sure, you had the yeah. answer, but how do you get there? I know. I was still and stupid. And I don't think that we necessarily always learned the concept because sometimes you kind of just, you know, feel your way through it. Whereas this actually shows you that step-by-step solution. So, yeah, you're cheating a little bit in that you're getting the answer, but you can learn something here. There, there are a lot of us that learn by repetition, learn by doing. Exactly. This is great. I, I, went, I went to math and French immersion, so I had the additional step of learning French before I learned math. That was really a hindrance for me on that one. So this actually... I, I You, you take a picture of the equation and yeah. it does the work for yeah. it shows you how it got to the answer yeah I want to go back to see here's the thing is I want to go back to all of the, the teachers that I had in math who would say well it's not like you're going to have a calculator with you everywhere you go and you go yeah I do you know what and it solves equations on its own yeah it's uh, it's an interesting time we live in because we definitely all have calculators 100% of the time right I, I'm never uh, that far away from my phone. Photo <laughs> math, and that's for iOS and Android, and that's free. Number three, we've got Evernote. This always comes up on the list, Christina. It does, and you know why? It's a really great app, and they have worked for so many years to create such robust features. It's a note-taking app, and it organizes things in a lot of really effective and efficient ways. Uh, it gives you notebooks, so you can have a separate notebook for math and you know, humanities, you whatever. You take a picture of the whiteboard and business cards. It keeps all of that for you. It does keep all that for you. You can tag things so you can easily search through them. There are just so many features here that are great, not just for students, but even for adults. I, I have Evernote and I keep a variety of things in there and it's really well organized. Um, it is free and there are some premium features that you can pay for as well. Jumping next to Number two, Google Drive. I love Google Drive. Nice little fast uh, way of accessing your files just about everywhere. It is a place to house your Google Docs, your Google Sheets, and your Google Presentations. Uh, It is free and comes with some free storage built in. So it's a great way of getting things around to people. The shareable feature of being able to collaborate on documents together. Finally, now, 
you can all get together and get everybody together in a group project and see who didn't log in so that they don't get the marks. <laughs> Finally, number one on the Hot 5 app countdown here on the app show. We're talking about back to school apps. My homework. Yes, so this one actually replaces the the old school agenda. I don't know if kids even use those anymore. I remember I used to, and I still use a notebook because I like the analog version of things. But this is great for those kids who prefer to be on their smartphones or tablets instead. It lets you uh, track all your assignments, put reminders in about due dates, uh, and comes. it does come with some ads, unfortunately, but you can pay for the premium version to get rid of those. And that's six ninety nine to get rid of the ads. That's, that's right. That's a but small price I, to pay. Yeah, I mean, I think we used to pay more for planners when we were kids, right? Like Exactly. That was the Hot 5 app countdown. When we come back, we'll be uh, looking at what's streaming this week on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Crave TV. Some really great TV shows and movies. Stay tuned. You're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Well, now it's time to find out what's happening on Netflix and Amazon Prime here in Canada. Streaming this week. Starting off with our friends over at Netflix, we have The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. Say you're the head of the Sinaloa cartel. Who can you trust to track your stolen cash? He's capable of coming in cold, uncooking years of books, and getting out alive. Imagine the secrets this guy has. Who are you? Well, as you can imagine, things get crazy again. Uh, the accountant starring Ben Affleck on Netflix, a math savant, uncooks the books for a new client. The Treasury Department closes in on his activities and the body count starts to rise. Also on Netflix uh, this week, we've got Blacklist Season 5, starring James Spader. has value because it is based on the best possible intelligence. Information that was not available yesterday and will be obsolete tomorrow. You expect the FBI to help you rebuild a criminal empire? Yes. I'm scared of you. Because you're my daughter? In more ways than I care to admit. But I am going to help you rebuild your empire. Then I suppose I'll leave my pants. Again, that's The Blacklist, Season 5, coming to Netflix. Despite last season's stunning revelations, secrets remain to be solved, including the mystery of the human remains unearthed at Tansy Farms. Also on Netflix uh, this week, a bit of a thriller when the bow breaks. This one here uh, is about a surrogate mom for a couple who becomes dangerously obsessed with the soon-to-be father. Love that dress. Okay, you can admit it. She's beautiful. I told Laura she's lucky to have you. That must be nice, living up in that big, beautiful house. Is that the dress you gave her? No, it's not. Oh my God. Uh, again, when the bow breaks, coming to Netflix uh, this week. If you're into stand up comedy, Netflix uh, has really been turning it on uh, the past uh, couple years here. They've got the comedy lineup stand-up special. I'm single for a little while because of my schedule and my personality or whatever, you know? I'm really worried about you because you've been having a lot of one-night stands. And I'm like, do you seriously think that I should sleep with all those douchebags again? You guys know what I'm talking about. Don't make me explain it. Me time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's called The Comedy Lineup. Uh, that's coming to Netflix uh, this week. Uh, they've really been putting a lot of money into stand-up specials. Uh, back in the day, HBO was uh, the place... Uh, where uh, breakout comedians uh, got their own special and uh, eventually became famous. Uh, Netflix uh, has been doing uh, dozens of these now. 
If you're more into the uh, the criminal side, we've got Inside the Criminal Mind. Cult leaders, serial killers, kidnappers, crime lords, they're able to lead essentially two lives. Neighbors remark that he was very social in the neighborhood. They just believe that the rules don't apply to them. He's dangerous because he'll get anybody who gets in his way. The psychopaths don't have guilt. They don't have feelings. He lost complete control of what he was doing. Everything in the world revolves around their needs. They're driven. They're type A personalities. They're good leaders. Again, that's the inside the Criminal Mind coming on Netflix, uh, a documentary on some of the most uh, heinous criminals uh, that have been out there in the past uh, century. Something a little lighter, we've uh, got Hancock, also on Netflix. This one stars Will Smith. Uh, it also has Charlize Theron and uh, uh, about a superhero, that uh, kind of a reluctant superhero, getting some uh, bad PR. I do public relations. People don't like you, Hancock. I look like I care what people think. I think you're wasting your time with this guy. Pulled some stuff up on YouTube. Everybody remembers Walter, the gray whale. He was stuck on the beach. Along comes Hancock. Oh, my God. I don't even remember that. Greenpeace does. (laughs) (laughs) That one, again, is called Hancock. Will Smith stars as Hancock, a down-and-out superhero who's forced to employ a public relations expert to repair his image. We're going to switch over to Amazon Prime now. And again, if you uh, subscribe to Amazon Prime, uh, you probably don't know it, but you also get Amazon Prime Video. It's uh, like Netflix. Uh, They have a new original series coming out. A lot of people have been waiting for this. Uh, It's uh, got Jim from The Office. Remember him? Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, season one. And uh, if you're into Tom Clancy, thrillers, You'll want to check this out. What have you got? The individual behind these transactions could be a high-level target. His name is Suleiman. How come you're the only one that knows about this mystery man? I was just following the money, sir. They have cells in France, Yemen, Syria, and those are just the ones we know about. There's something different about his agenda. I'd like to set up a task force. Whatever he's planning, he's ready now. I can't go to Yemen. I'm an analyst. I don't interrogate people. I write reports. Get on the plane. Uh, again, this one uh, is coming to Amazon Prime Video. It's Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. The explosive globe-trotting thriller finds Marine-turned-rookie uh, uh, CIA analyst Jack Ryan. John uh, Krasinski, again uh, from The Office, sitting behind a desk scrutinizing suspicious financial transactions. This one's been getting a lot of uh, good buzz, so you might want to check it out. Let's uh, switch gears and get our game app of the week. What do we got, Graham? So this week's game app of the week is a fun one called Donut Country. Donut Country. Yes. And in this game, you play a raccoon. Okay. Who controls a donut hole that you drag around the landscape, and the donut hole drags things down into a subterranean empire. (laughs) Yep. can Can I be honest? I like raccoons. I like donuts. This is intriguing me. It's actually incredibly fun. So the idea here is that uh, raccoons have taken over donut country, and they have a remote-controlled trash-stealing hole. And so essentially, you drive this hole around to steal things, and the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger to the point where you're stealing people and houses and stuff. And all of these people end up at the bottom of the hole uh, where they have created a society and they want to get back to the surface. So when you say donut hole, you realize that I'm thinking of a Timbit, right? Yes, but no, this is actually the hole. 
hole in the middle of the donut, not Got the it. missing piece of the donut. <laughs> Uh, this is $6.99. It's from uh, the fellow who made the game uh, What Remains of Edith Finch and the Unfinished Swan. Uh, Sorry, it's called again Donut Hole? Donut Hole. Raccoons. Raccoons. Donut no, no, holes. the game is called Donut Country. Donut Country. Donut yeah. Country. Yes. Yeah. Now we've confused everyone. Donut Country with Donut Holes and Raccoons. Seven bucks on the App Store. That's what I got for you. <laughs> Happy when we September. come back from the break here on the App Show, we've got some hopefully... More interesting apps. Uh, I don't think we can beat the donuts and the oh, raccoons. Me a picture. And... You know what? I changed my mind. I like it. <laughs> you got to you got to you got to go online and check this out. I take it back. I'm walking that back. Donut country. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about our fitness and travel apps of the week. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Before we get to our uh, uh, very beloved travel app of the week let's get our fitness app of the week from graham uh the fitness app of the week is activity tracker pedometer and uh i found this because i was looking for the most generically named fitness app that i could find out there something that would track my activity including me walking so activity tracker pedometer seems like the one um this is available for ios it is a free download and it is two hundred two dollars and 99 cents to unlock the pro version uh, which gives you access to even more records things like weekly targets that kind of thing and will also let you uh, export your data and move it to another iphone so uh this one here will give you uh your step goal for every day your at your active calorie burn um a uh, list of daily weekly and monthly activities and an ability to track your activity hour by hour um it does not use GPS. It actually just uses the M7, M8, M9, or M10 motion chip in your phone, depending on how old your phone is, and uh, we'll let you monitor your activity that way. So, two dollars ninety nine cents for the pro version, free to download. Otherwise, Activity Tracker Pedometer, the least interesting name fitness app we've had in a while. We're going to switch over to Christina now with our travel app of the week. What do we have, Christina? Our travel app of the week this week is Chef's Feed. This is available on Android and iOS for free, which is always a great thing. It features the best dining and beverage recommendations from none other than the best professionals in the field. It publishes stories and creative videos of recipes and offers you a new way to choose uh, new restaurants, cafes, breweries, all of those dining experiences. It suggests the best dishes, coffee, cocktails, wines, and all of those things near you. So if you're traveling to a new place and you don't know where to get those things as is a great great uh, place to start. That's kind of cool. What's it called again? Chef's Feed. It's kind of like a social feed for uh, for all of your culinary experiences, but curated by some of the best in the business. Love it. Don't forget to listen to our sister show every week, Get Connected. It's a fantastic show all about uh, everything related to tech, smart home technology, digital cameras, you name it, we talk about it. We've also got some great contests going there as well on the website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a BlackBerry Key 2 smartphone. Pretty cool prize. I like it. Getconnectedmedia.com, find the contest section, and also two tickets to the upcoming TEDx talk. Coming up, uh, I believe, September 8th on uh, in here in Vancouver out at uh, UBC. TEDx tickets, Blackberries, getconnectedmedia.com. This is Mike Graham and Christina signing off for the App Show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.